one thing I noticed, it always been not only lucrative, but an easier form to do to make money because mm-hmm. you're pretty much selling the one thing that thousands of people want. Yeah. You know, that's a good feeling. To have a deal that has a, you know, and our numbers are a little different in Philly, but to have, like, let's say a $50,000 spread on a deal. You know, people look for these deals every day and you're the one holding three or four of them. This episode of the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast is brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socioeconomic solutions that Black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc. is what Black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we've been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre C. Hatchet, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Owned, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow, to build wealth in this country, pick it up. Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America. Welcome to the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oglesby III, a.k.a. Tide Millionaire. So this is the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 53. Uh, my name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Tide Millionaire, I'm the founder and the director of the Tide Capital Investment Club. We have over 185 members doing big things. Also the founder of Tide Acquisitions and escrow for property number two, already in the process of acquiring property number three. And then we're looking to level up and scale at uh, property number four. We're trying to go eight units or 16 units. We're going big next time. So we want you to be a part of it. Contact us at Info at Capital Todd to sign up. We're looking forward to working with you. Um, you guys all know that the purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American investors and business owners so that people can see and hear the examples of people who have already done it so that you guys can know that business and investing are the keys to true financial success and generational wealth in America. With us today, we have Michael Early. He is a graduate of the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. He's a member of Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity and a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. He is the owner of Philadelphia's premier real estate company, Royal Realty Group, which is a full service realty development and investment company that provides home buying, selling and selling services, as well as other investments and property management services to the tri-state area. So with that, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Cool, cool. So can you tell us a little bit how you got started in real estate? I got started in real estate. I was actually, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was looking for um, something to kind of do in my life. I was actually a financial planner at the time, but I wasn't real good at it. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't real good at it. It's kind of difficult for a... 21 year old 22 year old to kind of tell somebody that's there in retirement what to do with their retirement money when i essentially had no money in the bank at all at that at that point in time a lot of people in the in the virginia area was kind of getting into real estate um and i was kind of looking at it from the outside and a lot of the people in my firm had clients that were you know liquidating their 
uh, 401ks, um, buy for raises, things like that, to buy properties as well. So a little short story, one day I was actually on my lunch break and I was, I was sitting in my car. I didn't have gas money <laughs> or food to go eat um, lunch. I was just sitting in my car and um, a young lady pulled up next to me in a Bentley GT. I think it was the first year they actually was launched. And I, and, and I was so amazed by this car. We kind of met up in an elevator uh, going up into my office building and I stopped and asked her, I said, hey, you know, that's a really nice car that you have. You know, she said, thank you. My husband bought it for me for Valentine's Day. And I said, wait, <laughs> wait a minute now. <laughs> he bought you a Bentley for Valentine's Day. I mean, that's the pretty expensive gift for Valentine's Day. You know, what do you get for your birthday, right? So, um, <laughs> so she said, she said, yeah, he bought me that and it's for coat. Now, mind you, this is Virginia Beach. Um, in February, so it's it's still, you know, 60, 65 degrees outside. She had a huge fur coat. So I asked her what her husband did, and she said he was a real estate investor, and he actually owned the building that we were in. And this was a large commercial office building. Like, this wasn't, this was a really grade-A building. Like, this wasn't like a, a warehouse in a retail neighborhood. So from that point, I just was telling everybody about the story, and a friend, a friend of mine, a co-worker, he says, yeah, I know her, I know her husband, I know her son, and they told me the story about how they were immigrants, and from, from another country, worked, you know, two jobs, got his law degree, and a real estate developer wanted to buy his development, and he would not sell his unit until the real estate developer taught him how to invest in real estate. Now, he's one of the biggest real estate developers in Virginia, and definitely one of the top three in Virginia Beach, um, and one of the, and on one of the top real estate law firms in Virginia Beach as well. Um, so I said, well, if it was good enough for him to come from, you know, wherever they was from to do it, it was good enough for me, you know. And from that day forward, I just set forth as real estate as my career and my career goal. Um, so that's how I got into it. I just set forward and, and started to learn everything that I could about real estate investment and development from that point. Very cool, man. That was an awesome story. So when you got started, a lot of people get started different ways. I think you started a wholesaling. Is that correct? Yes. 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 I guess we could just continue the story. So how you went from uh, seeing that you wanted to get involved in real estate, where did you go from there? From there, this point, this was the, the start of the come out to this hotel on a Saturday and we're going to teach you how to buy houses, no cash, out of pocket and stuff like that era. Um, and, and I thought that was interesting. I thought that was interesting, but so I started to go to like three or four of them. I mean, I was going to them pretty much every weekend for like a month and a half or every other weekend for like a month and a half. And I started to learn a, a lot about that aspect and a group of friends of mine, uh, some from the military, some from church, we wanted to get together. They wanted to get together and form a real estate investment company. It was called JJMK Investing. I learned wholesaling first, but my first couple of deals was in flipping. You know, once again, this was 2006 in the height of the bubble, and we were, we were buying up everything in Newport New. Um, it, it turned out to be a good relationship until it went bad. And from that, the one thing that I can say that I, I realized from that is that when that relationship was bad and we dissolved that company, I was exposed at the time because one thing I did not focus on was the money that we were making. I never took that money and fixed my credit. Mm. Um, so I was very exposed because I was on my own. And then when I went back and wanted to do more um, and you know flipping and getting loans and stuff like that, I was denied all over the place. So. I had to learn another strategy, another technique, which was the wholesaling. 
Um, and that's been my niche since then, you know, for the past, you know, 12 years or so. Wholesaling has been great to me. Wholesaling has been, you know, my foundation in, in real estate. Everybody has their foundation or their real estate DNA is what I call it. It's just been good to me. It gave me a platform to really understand how to find good deals. Yeah. Not everybody has that ability. No. I think that's it's very cool because I'm really big on the power of quote broke. It doesn't necessarily right. mean that you don't have any money. It can mean that you don't have the credit. And so that's right. never an excuse to do nothing. It's like you have to be strategic and you have to use your mind to find that workaround. And then when you find right. that workaround, you master that workaround. And you did that by getting into the industry as a wholesaler, which is dope. Um, wholesaling is like the foundation and it's so hard to be an investor and not have the skill of wholesaling because at the end of the day, either you're an investor, you have to find a deal. If you're a wholesaler, you have to find a deal. So it's like, would you rather be dependent upon somebody else bringing you, bringing you the deal or you want to be the person that can bring that deal? Right. And, and that's why the position of a wholesaler has always been a valuable one. People can talk all the stuff that they want about, oh, you want to low end on a totem pole and all this, that, sir, but technically you need us. <laughs> you know, you need us. If you want to find that good off-market deal, then you need us, you know? So I always took a liking to that position. And one thing I noticed, it always been not only lucrative, but an easier form to do to make money because you're pretty much selling the one thing that thousands of people want. Yeah. You know, that's a good feeling. To have a deal that has a, you know, and our numbers are a little different in Philly, but to have like, let's say a $50,000 spread on a deal. You know, people look for these deals every day and you're the one holding three or four of them. You know, it's it just it just you know yeah you may be on a the the, the entry level of what what's called real estate investing, but at the same time you have a that's a very 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 valuable position to kind of be in because if you are able to supply people with the deals that they want and the yields that they want, I mean you always you will always have a position in this business. So, I guess one one thing I'll say is that I, I found out how valuable a wholesaler was when I bought a property and I saw this dude make $5,000 to do nothing. And I was like, right. we're going <laughs> to, we're going to hold this property right. and cash flow it for a year before we get to a thousand dollars. And yeah, we'll get that or get 5,000. Yeah. We'll get that every single year on year. But by then that wholesaler's done 10 more deals. He's made right. 50 more thousand dollars. So wholesaling, right. in my opinion, should never be looked down upon. It's super valuable skill. Right. It's hard work. It's not easy at all. It it's, it's not easy at all. And it's funny, I'm glad that you made that example. When I first got into this business, but when I first saw wholesaling, a friend of mine, uh, that's one of my fraternity brothers up here um, in, in Philadelphia, he's a little bit older than me, he's a little bit more mature. So he was like, he had a bunch of rentals as well. He had about three or four at the time. Now he probably has, I would say about 60 or 70 now. But we, we had that exact same conversation. You know, when you went, you went through all that and at the end of the month, you know, at the time you made under a thousand dollars. When I made ten thousand dollars off of two deals, mm -hmm. and once again, he was a lot more older than me and more mature. So of course, I was blowing my money in Virginia Beach. Like you know, we had cars and at the club with bottles of service and everything. You know, at the time I was you know twenty one, twenty two years old at the time. You know, so you know. But at the end of the day, now the roles is kind of reversed now. Now the vows of what he's doing, but yet and still, he still needed me because guess what? When he wanted 
deals, <laughs> you know, guess what he came to, right? So it's it's like like you said, it's definitely a valuable trick to have, and that's ninety percent of all levels of real estate now. For you to learn the skill, how to negotiate and um, bring people to you that have a property issue with a property. Uh, it's just it's just valuable and on all, on all levels right now we're trying to we're looking into um you know getting into more of the new construction and hospitality you know larger commercial you know development stuff it's the same game it's yep. the same game you could be sitting around with a million dollars in your pocket but if you can't find a deal then what's the point <laughs> right and what's the point i mean you might as well go buy stocks you know but deals is, is totally different. It's totally different. You know, you know when you talk real estate. So, when you first started out, how did your marketing look? Oh boy, first I mean, first starting out back in Newport News, Virginia. Um, basically, I was walking the neighborhood. I was pretty much walking the neighborhood and asking people. I'm in my first wholesale deal. We were we were shutting down MKE. I knew so many people in the neighborhood because we were doing so many construction projects out there. And we actually were, um, I was walking the neighborhood and I bumped into a neighbor and I was talking to him about it. He said, yeah, I got a house I want to sell. And, you know, we wound up putting under contract and I sold it within like two weeks. Um, now, mind you, <laughs> the guy I sold it to, I didn't know anything that was going on or where he was going with the contract. But I remember him meeting me on Mercury Boulevard. And he didn't even stop. Like, I didn't go to the settlement or anything. Like, he literally just pulled over, handed me a check, and left. <laughs> and I remember the check was for, like, $6,500. And it was, like, the most money that I had seen in, like, months. Because, once again, my bank source of income was gone. So that's when I kind of got the idea of, you know, hey, man, we need to really just make ourselves known in these neighborhoods. And that's what I did. So I did. I walked around for a while when I did I just knocked on doors and asked me where they want to sell now um, there was a point in my life that you know after I left Virginia when I came back up to Philadelphia I started to get a little bit more a little more creative about how we look for deals so what we started to do was we did everything from bandit signs um, we did bandit signs we did um, door hangers we did postcards and different measures like that to kind of bring in deals. But the best and most effective thing that we got as far as bringing in deals were evaluating the pretty home and ugly homes in neighborhoods and on blocks. That's the biggest way. And what we do with that is we're walking neighborhoods. When I moved back to Philadelphia, I just used to walk my neighborhood, which was probably a couple miles long. And I used to just write down every home that I thought was ugly, was boarded up, abandoned. I look for the window dressings to be messed up. I look for mail to be in a mailbox. I look for uncut grass and things of that sort. Um, and I would just look the owner up and I would just write him a letter or give him a call. I mean, of course, this was back when, you know, we had a little thing called the white pages. So, so we were able to kind of look people up, you know, in the white pages or we would, um, or we would do like a skip trace search on them and I would just call them up and make them an offer. The most direct approach to kind of get stuff done, you know, Absolutely. and it worked. It, it worked. So when you're making an offer, how do you determine what price to offer? We typically offer anywhere between 60 to 65% of the after repair value on the property. Um, so if a property is 
um, a hundred thousand. Asking to pay for Isaac is a hundred thousand. We can offer you sixty thousand, um, sixty-five thousand minus the repair cost. So you got you know forty thousand dollars to appears, then we somewhere around twenty thousand dollars for a property. Um, that's been a staple in how we do business, whether it's something that we're looking to keep or you know whether it's something that. You know, we're looking to wholesale, and the reason why we chose or we do operate at 60 or 65 percent is because, you know, if we're wholesaling the property and we're giving it to an investor, you always want to make sure that you're giving an investor enough space in the deal so that he can make a profit as well. You know, nobody wants you don't you don't want to be out here shopping deals that investors can't make money. Okay. You know, so that was a, a big thing for us to make sure that. Um, our investors are taken care of as well. Um, so we used the, uh, you know, 65% of the after repair value less the um, repair costs. Repair costs. Man, so I have two questions that kind of stem off of that. I'll, I'll ask them at the same time so I don't forget them. The first question is, how do you determine the after repair value? The second question is, what is that conversation like when you give somebody an offer like that? Because I mean, the average person is thinking, oh, well, you come in and if the after repair value is worth is $100,000 and you tell somebody you want to give them 30 to 40, aren't they going to be insulted? Aren't they going to be offended? How do you work around that? I think the first question was um, evaluating the after repair value. The after repair value, and, and this, this will co- kind of cover both. We find the after repair value based off of cops that have sold in the area. So, you know, we pull up trend um, or public records and we see, okay, houses that have been repaired and top-notch shape in this in this area have sold for a hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's 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 what houses go for in this area. Let's just say new kitchen, new bath, um, hardwood floors, carpet upstairs. Um, you know, just a, a good in Philadelphia. That's a standard North Philly house, right? So, um, but everything's been done. They sold for a hundred thousand dollars now. When you go into that house, right, obviously that house doesn't have none of this. Obviously they don't have it, right? So this house is a house that you went into that may have been very dated. So it has an older kitchen, older bathroom, um, you know, and, you know, things of that sort. So you have to know if you want to flip that house or if your investor, if if you are a wholesaler and you want to get that house, your investor is going to flip that house to make that into what that $100,000 house is, you have to be somewhere around 60%. Um, you know, minus the repairs. So the answer, the first question is comparables. And what we do is to find the second question is that we can show them their repairs. I mean, these people aren't aren't stupid. Like they live, they they've been living in this house for 30, 10, 15 years. You know your bathroom sucks. I mean, like really, like you know that this bathroom is dated. You know that you inherited this house from your grandmother. Your grandmother ain't seen nothing in this house for 60 years. You know, you, you know that your house isn't comparable to that. So, yeah, has there been houses selling in your neighborhood for 100 grand? But they don't look like this one. And, and and one of the things that one of the things that I always use to people is say, you know, uh, I'm I'm in a, the market for a Cadillac uh, uh, for for Escalade 2018, right? So you got a 2004. I can't pay you the same amount as I'm going to pay for 2018 for 2004. It's going to make no sense, right? It's, it's, the same, it's the same deal. You know what I mean? So um, so that's kind of how we evaluate the deal. Now, talking to them, the one thing that I always felt that works for us in talking to uh, potential home sellers is that you have to educate them. 
you have to educate them, especially if your numbers is off. A lot of times people just know that their house isn't worth the hundred thousand dollars, and they may be a little high. So maybe maybe they're somewhere around thirty five, but you know you need to get it for twenty. Hey, look, this this is what that this is what I have to do to the property. I have to put in forty thousand dollars into this property to get this house up and running. You know, and if you if you look at the comparable properties now, just like there's after repair by comp, there should be what we call as is by comp, right? So these are other houses that have sold in that neighborhood at the condition that their house is at. So if you can, the best thing to do is have those comps with you to kind of say, hey, look at this comp. This house sold up the street from yours for thirty thousand dollars. You know, but that was a four bedroom. Yours is a three, or you know that this house down the street is a little bit is a shell compared to yours, and that one sold for fifteen. You know, so your house kind of falls in the middle of that. You know, so we kind of use that method to kind of show them and educate them as to where they should be at, uh, which is which is absolutely the best way to kind of break down those walls and have them be more susceptible to what that offer is, you know. And then also educate them on the process and how quick you can close on this property at that price. You know, because if they go another route, yeah, you know, you may get three or four thousand dollars more, but you might have to wait six months. So what's your plan there? You know, you're gonna lose more holding costs than you are in that you are in holding the property than you are on the property. You sell it today for this price. This is Ken Morris, the CEO and founder of Multibex, the private equity investment firm, and the creator of the brand Lord of My Land, the Alpha Gentleman Entrepreneur. And I am a proud supporter of Tide Capital. You can find me on Instagram at Lord of My Land and at the Lord Ken. This is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, host of the Millionaire Podcast, and I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has over 200 members, Todd Acquisitions, which is our crowdfunded real estate firm, and Todd Ventures, our crowdfunded venture capital firm. I am formally inviting you to join one of our many investment clubs. If you are someone who is new to investing, a seasoned investor, or someone who doesn't even know what investing is, we know that you will learn the key to investing and how to build generational wealth through the use of crowdfunding by working with our team. Email info at capitaltod.com to join today. So you kind of have to know your, you have to know your talking points also. You have to know, because I mean, there's this book I just recently read, Finding and Funding Great Deals. And basically what he was mm-hmm. saying is like, the more you do things, the more you learn what works to motivate sellers to get you that property. So right. in the beginning, you're kind of fumbling over yourself. And at the end, you're like, I know I got to tell them this. I know I got to tell them this. I know I got to tell them this. It's like you have a process. It's like a checklist. And it's like, if you've covered all those bases, usually they'll realize that it's more beneficial for them to sell you the property than for them right. to do anything else. Right. And, 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 and I think that's the, that's, the, that's the best part about what you're doing is that you have the answer to their issues. They have, a, they have an issue. You know what I mean? And then and, and the way our business is set up as far as how we generate leads and stuff, hey, you call me. Yeah. You call me in here to fix your issue. And I always, the way I do business is I always stay behind the eight ball as far as any conversation. And that's one of my things. Hey, look, I'm out here. You was referred to me. This is your option. That's, that's my, my, main, my main script when I go to talk to people about their house. Is this is my script. Thank you for showing me the house. And I'm going to go over some key points. Thank you for showing me the house. 
the house does need some repairs. Um, I took pictures, so let me evaluate what the clothes, what the what the repair cost is going to be on the properties. Um, uh, with that, I can give you a couple different options. Option one, I'm gonna give you my my offer on a property as if we were to buy the house for cash right from a front of you now. Um, that offer, the, the benefits of that offer is that it is a quick closing. You know, we begin typically close this within two weeks, so that the title comes back. Um, the second option, option B, is that if we don't agree to a price and we want a little bit more money for the property, hey. You know, we, we have a we have a, a database of over 7,000 investors to come to us every week for properties. I said, let me send it out to my clients and, and see if one of their, if one of them is, is willing to match what you're looking for the property. If that happens, good. I won't charge you a dime. I will never ask you for any money. Whatever, you know, a couple of dollars I get, I get it from them. Mm-hmm. Does that sound good? They say, sure, that sounds great. The third option, and, and uh, in some cases, I may do some research on the property and may find that it's more beneficial for you to put the house on the market because you may get more money for the property um, to, to put it on the market. And, and they typically say, well, how is that? Because you got to pay real commissions. Blah, blah, blah. I say, yeah, but if you can get, you know, out of, out of this property, if you can get, you know, 10, 15, $20,000 more dollars and you can cover all your closing costs and realtor commission and still net more money than what's the issue. I said, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna get more money, but the downside of that is that there's no, um, I can't give you a promise on when you will close. Yeah. So that, that option is good for people who are not, in, you know, in a real big hurry to close or they have a really nice house. But that's sometimes we get a lot of people with a really nice house that we have issues and they just they just want to sell for whatever reason, and that's why we actually started Royal Realty Group at that time because we wanted a way to kind of help out those individuals as well. Yeah, I like that. I like I like that for a lot of different reasons. I like that you've effectively created a solution to their problems of which you benefit from each solution. And then I also right. like that um, you effectively created a company that solves a need that you didn't really know existed until you started doing business. And a lot of times right. your business evolves and grows as you're out there working in the business. Because then you realize like right. all these people, they're either gonna wholesale it to us or they wanna list it themselves. And we need to be the solution to each one of those problems. We don't wanna let business slip right. fingers. We don't wanna let opportunities and leads slip through our fingers. Right. And that's why we also have a construction company as well. Um, and, and that, you know, sometimes that, that leans a lot towards, you know, repairs and stuff like that when we're giving them the estimate of repairs, I'm just not some Joe Small off the street. Mm-hmm. Like I've done this. I've done this a hundred I've done this hundreds of times. I know what it's gonna to cost to get this house back up and running. I am a licensed contractor as well. I may not look it, <laughs> you know, in this suit at the time. You know, I'm not in here with messed up boots and jeans and Carhartt jacket, but I'm a licensed contractor. So, you know, you can't we can't go, you know, back to back on repair costs because I, I mean I know that as well but that helps and like I said that's kind of how my real estate business is kind of formed around what we were dealing with in the streets yeah. you see what I'm saying and um, and now what we're kind of getting is we're getting more investors that more established uh, and, and investors and partners that uh, maybe don't want to get into the grind of doing a flip or a wholesale deal but they may have 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000 to invest. 
So now we're getting kind of more into that market where we're like, okay, well, if you got 50 grand, you know, I'll take it, put it in the property and I'll pay you a percentage on it, you know? So now that part of the business is growing as well, you know? So um, we're kind of, we're always growing and always evolving. So what are some mistakes that you made in the beginning while you're getting going? Oh boy, I can go on and on about that. Um, you know, one thing I always tell people, I can't tell you every dollar I made, made in this business, but I always can tell you every dollar I lost. Two, from two different aspects of the business. Um, one was, funny, I was just looking at the, um, the paperwork for that deal today. In 2012, I had a client who was selling um, a package deal of uh, a properties here in Philadelphia. It's like 15 properties. It was, it was kind of, you know, it was a small, it was a smaller package. And the guy that he was working with was another wholesaler who came to me since he was part of the deal and he owed him a favor or something. The younger guy, let's say his name is Jared. Jared says, um, you know, Mike, can you help us sell this package? Because I just sold another package of like 32 properties uh, a couple months before that. So the guy, Jared, says, you know, can you help me sell this property? I, I sold the package in like, you know, a couple weeks. And they always say, don't put the buyer and seller in the same room. And we were going back and forth. And me and the guy, Jared, we didn't, we don't, as a wholesaler, you know, when you're dealing with, a, especially a package deal, there's so many intricate things about that deal that we just didn't have nothing to do with. And we were just in the way of the negotiations, really. But I knew at the time we did not have a secure position in the deal because we didn't have any type of contracts at the time. And this is the point of this, we didn't have any contracts. We were, we were kind of slowing the deal down. Because really, if the seller wanted something, he would tell Jared, Jared would tell me, I would tell a buyer, and it went back and forth, back and forth for like two months. So Jared, I remember this, Jared was like, we need to, I need this deal to go faster. I'm actually having a baby. I need this money to take care of my family. And, you know, I got to get out of the place that I need to, you know, you know that I'm at. And I need this money, like, fast. You know, can we just have them talk? And we can kind of, like, step back. And I said, well, I said, Jared, I said, if we put these people in the same room together, it is a wrap for us. I said, this deal is done. I said, it's done. I said, I guarantee you. I said, I don't feel comfortable doing that until I get some type of agreement. The agreement was piped up, but it was never signed. And somehow they started talking. The buyer and the seller started talking. I actually think Jared went around my went around me to, to to get them to talking. But they actually kept us abreast for about a week or so, probably about two weeks. And then all of a sudden, stuff went quiet. Next, you know, the properties changed hands. They sold. Me and Jared didn't get a dollar. We were both supposed to get like 50 grand. It was like a 100 grand fee. We were both going to say that 50 50. And, you know, so that was a huge loss at the time. It's a huge loss at the time for, for both of us. And, and the reason why that story is so fresh is because literally I was sending out my email. I, I, seen, I seen the agreement. I seen the agreement today. And I was like, like wow. So did, did you guys just like leave it alone or you, you didn't go after them for anything? Well, what happened was a couple months had went by and we couldn't get in contact with anybody. And then I just kind of like left it alone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't talk to Jared again for a while because I figured I just knew what happened. And one day I talked to Jared and he said he couldn't get in contact with him either. But it was another guy who was in on the deal um, who was kind of working for the for the buyers. And um, I, I did get in contact with him. And he pretty much told me, yeah, the deal closed. So what? Wow. <laughs> like, 
you know, he just, you know, he was just like, what you going to do? And at the time, once again, young and dumb, you know, we could have probably sued them, but you got to figure, you know, in this world, and this, like, we didn't have lawyers. Like, you know, these guys are multi-millionaires. Like, it's us, it's two black guys from the hood going up against these multi-millionaires in a business that most people, most attorneys don't understand anyway. And most attorneys <laughs> or most lawyers. Yeah. So we we had no legal right. I mean, they they literally would have crushed us in court. Mm-hmm. They would have crushed us in court. One of the things that I always tell people on this show, and every guest that's been on this show has been able to say like their mistakes become their urgency or their systems. So it's like you make a big mistake once and then you just know like you'll never ever do a deal without a contract. You know that you'll never do a deal that way again. So it's like on one hand, yeah, it sucked. It was an expensive education, but it was still an education. And so it's like you right. see a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll never do a deal because they're afraid of losing that $50,000 contract. And they don't realize right. like, I'm sure you've made your money back on that loss. Probably more right. by the structure and the system that you put in place because of that loss you took. Right. Uh, it's just, and, and I tell people about that all the time you know you in business being in business you are definitely going to have good days and bad days you're going to have wins you're going to have losses like you said and the one thing about being in in a wholesaler is that nine times out of ten you don't have no skin in the game anyway right all you did was send a couple emails made a couple phone calls when you, you're tracking your time you probably worked two hours on this thing I definitely haven't from that point never ever did that again and like work work without a contract um, for, for anything I mean but the next thing is like even in construction you know before I was a contractor coming in getting started and getting in the game one thing I always tell people is never give a, a contractor all your money like you know some contractors would be like well I want half up front really bro like you 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 want me to give it's a this is a fifty thousand dollar job you really expect me to give you half of this money up front why why this is a a a six-week job like why do you need all the money up front you know it's it's that's one thing that i had to learn and i learned the hard way i lost money doing that you know because you get contracted and they and then they disappear yeah then what what's important is that when you've had that experience of losing money then you have the confidence to stand on your decision so right. like they'll try to shake you like oh well, that's just how we do things like well no that's not how we do things i've experienced it and it went right. wrong this way so if you want the right. job we can do it this way but it's like they'll right. they'll take advantage of your your naivety if you haven't made those mistakes and so it's like it's important to get out there and make those mistakes because that's the only it's like kiyosaki says it's like in school, you were taught to not make mistakes, but as an entrepreneur, it's your right. job to make mistakes. And and yes, it's your job to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. Like right now, you know, true life story, like we are starting to chain the daycares. Wow. Um, and, and Philadelphia, very lucrative business here. And there have been some mistakes made, you know, and, and our contract and, you know, crazy thing about it in, in the lease, which, you know, didn't, it didn't, don't hurt us right now, but you know, just going through the system. And I always tell people every day that you're making progression in, in, in the business that you're trying to do or the business you're trying to buy or you, that you're working in, it's just, it's a learning experience. And you definitely want to take that, that learning experience and grow. You know, you can't get frustrated with not knowing something. That's something that I deal with a lot of agents about, a lot of my new agents. You know, they just get so frustrated because they don't know something. And they just like, they just like, oh my God, I don't, what are you going to know? You, 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 you're definitely going to know 
just take your time and we're going to work through it together and just use that as a learning experience. And that's why as you hit it right on the head. That's why a lot of people don't continue to do their next deal, their second deal, their third deal, and they be out of the business because they don't know how to take those wins and those losses and keep your head up and keep going. Very cool. So I have to have in this this episode short, we had a great conversation about wholesaling. Um, it'll be very cool to get you on maybe in a few more episodes or so to kind of finish what I wanted to talk about. But um, can you let people know where they can find out more about you, your company, and everything you have going on? You can always get in contact with, with us on our, our website, uh, com. You know, that's the best place to get in contact with us. And then um, also our social media, Warrior Realty Group, group on Instagram, and um, and even my personal page, um, real estate underscore new. So, yeah, I'm definitely always available for... Uh, for conversations and, and 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 advice as well. Last question is, what does wealth mean to you? Freedom. Wealth means freedom to me. You know, one one thing that I realized when I was a kid, my my visions and thought about how thoughts about how I want my life to be was always um, limited by not having. And now I know that the the vehicle mechanism to get to freedom um, and get the things that I want in life comes with wealth. So that's why that's why we work so hard. You know, I'm not a greedy person. I'm definitely not a greedy person, but I got these visions in my head and the lifestyle that I want to have for my family. If we have to do what we got to do to attain this wealth, to attain this freedom. Very cool. So this has been episode number 53. Um, we're doing some great things, guys. Hit us up at CapitalTod.com for more information there. We have, of course, have the Investment Club, 185 members. The goal is 500. We're just, we're just trying to make everybody win. So I appreciate you all for tuning in. This has been episode number 53. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, signing off.